Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Leslie Lathur. I'm Jack Allison. And today we're joined by a very special guest for a very special subject. He is a both a colleague and um, close personal friend from what uh, from what we established the last time he was sure. on the show of Alan Moore himself. Of mm -hmm. course, we're talking about Watchmen. And of course, we had to bring back Will Miniker to do it. Thank you for Welcome, coming on. Will. Thank you. Many are calling me um, Alan Moore's official American spokesperson. Yeah. <laughs> um, please do not contact him about that. I, He's a very I, private person. But I, I personally consider you the American Pope for Alan Moore, and that whatever you say may as well have come from his mouth. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, it's canon. Or the mouth of the snake god, actually. Yes. <laughs> no, I am, but a I am but a vessel for the snake god. As are we all. I'm an acolyte of Allen's, and you know we we serve the snake. I'm snake. I'm shaking up the snake church. No, no <laughs> ifs, ands, or buts about it. The David Miscavige to L. Ron Hubbard of the snake church. Yes. Oh yes. hell yeah. 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 Don't ask about my wife during the show. <laughs> Do not bring her up. Uh, we are talking about um, Watchmen, a very you know impactful novel about a man who you know plays chess with the human race and ends up murdering half of new york which you know i gotta say you know looking back at this comic book now possibly not the worst thing that possibly could happen i'm, like, I'm here for it really <laughs> <laughs> which half uh... well i mean I, I i know when you get to it it's it's literally the middle of manhattan so yeah yeah so um, i'm know. okay with it you know? <laughs> and and the reason we had to do this watchman episode right now is because and this is a hot take exclusive hot take i'm giving for you wow 2019 is the year that watchman dies Watchmen yeah. is dead in 2019 for two reasons. Um, first, we have the HBO series coming out, yes. which looks absolutely bizarre and awful. Sure. And also read a YouTube comment last night that shook me to the fucking core. <laughs> someone wow. I think we've so all been there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, someone said, and I realized it was true, that if this movie came out today, it would be heralded as absolutely fantastic and great yep. and one of the best things that ever came out. It would be up for Oscars now. So yep. what I think was going to happen is like the HBO show is going to come out. It's going to be awful. And everybody's going to point back to the movie and say, hey, actually, the movie is pretty good. Everyone's going to go back and watch it. And in comparison to like all the Marvel shit that's come out, it actually is great. And then right there. When we were talking about Watchmen, from then on, you're going to be talking about the movie and not the comic book. The comic book's going to move entirely into the background. So Watchmen is dead this year. That's my wow. take. Wow. Well, that's Awful. a terrifying thought. I mean, for me, uh, I you know, because uh, you asked me to come on and talk about Watchmen, and I wanted to – I haven't read it in a long time. Um, and I was curious to see – like, I, I, I read as much as possible as I could last night before I go to bed, and I was curious to see, like – you know, maybe even a little nervous, like, ooh, like, is this going to hold up or yeah. whatever? And uh, I find that it, it absolutely still lives and is is excellent in every yeah. regard. Like, absolutely. It, it's just, it's, it is a great read still. And uh, everything about it, in my opinion, is uh, still wonderful. Yeah, no, it it does. It almost feels actually like I understand it like more given our like yes. current geopolitical situation. <laughs> I'm like when I read it, like, you know, I probably was like a teenager or something younger. I was like, it's cool, whatever. But like it does feel even more uh, uh, applicable right now. Like I felt like I was living in Watchmen when I read it. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I feel like the hands of that clock are getting closer to midnight yeah, for sure. Yeah. So we're at we're at like issue ten right now. Is what oh we're boy! At. If we're going by the clock in the uh, in the comic, 
Yeah, pretty soon that pretty soon that giant lynx is going to get you know atomized. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it does it does hold up really well, and you know it's one of these ones too. Like Leslie, you said this article, or maybe uh, the article about like how maybe the Watchmen TV show can avoid the misogyny of the comic oh, book. Yeah, and to be clear, like what they're referencing in that article is the fact that like sometimes bad things happen to women in the, in comic. the comic. Yeah, and so you don't want anything bad to happen to women or minorities or oppressed people or really anybody in the TV show. And I feel like that's possibly what we're going to get. Like the comedian's going to survive. Um, I, yeah, you know, uh, I was very disturbed. You know, rereading again. You know, I just like these are superheroes and all the yeah. violence they're doing to Vietnamese people. I mean, yeah. a little well, I mean, much in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like they're mean, and we shouldn't have <laughs> they're, mean they're all, characters. They're all awful. Yeah. They're all mean, and I don't. That's bad. Uh, uh, they said in that article that they're that the comic feature uh, arguably features no lead female characters, which I think is just not fair. That's just it's not untrue. That's gaslighting, is what that is yeah. to say that. That's gaslighting from hell. Also, uh, pretty hard on women. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty hard on. But you know what else I would say is actually the world is uh, sometimes hard on women. And, you know, it's like uh, uh, maybe worth like reflecting that in like art about the world, I yeah. guess. I don't and, know. And that's really what Watchmen is about. The, pr the premise of Watchmen has completely been forgotten because of all the lesser writers who have right. copied Watchmen in one way or another. And in part because of the films of superhero movies, because they can't really present the old for color world of superheroes anymore. Mm -hmm. But the premise of Watchmen is what if superheroes existed in the real world and were real people? Yeah. That was a radical idea at the time. It doesn't seem so now, but that was truly radical and changing. And that's why Watchmen does have so much violence and darkness in it. Because Alan Moore, you know, from the first principles of superhero, he extrapolated, okay, what would these people be like? Um, they all be, you know, degenerates, um, yeah. perverts. Um and fascists basically. Yeah, yeah. These are, yeah, these are rich people like and you know uh, and uh, cops and cops and, like who like to dress up and like beat up poor people. You see it early on and like yeah. even when Rorschach like shows up to the bar to like get information early in the comic, you're like, oh, this is like an insane man. Like all the people, he's showing up to a bar and everyone's terrified of him and like with good reason. He's a <laughs> lunatic that shows up to uh, injure people. Um, when I was. When I was rereading it uh, last night, like to, to Leslie's point, though, like, you know, now, like, they're like, it's like a punchline, like it could not be more hack. Like, right. uh, we're going to we're going to portray like heroes, but they're real. Like, what if they really existed? And like, you know, like, yeah. ooh, let's get dark. And Watchmen is the only one that's done that correctly, because yes. every other attempt to do that, like, I don't know, what was it? Kick-Ass or like, you know, Hancock, that movie with Will Smith where he's like yeah. an alcoholic superhero or yeah. whatever. All of those movies like miss like the essential thing that Moore is driving at that like let's say you know superheroes existed uh, they would exist in a world and they like as individuals and their you know powers or whatever would be products of the political environment they live yeah. in so like he creates he like introduces politics into this world and literally shows how in it like the superheroes the heroes you know of of this narrative have literally helped usher in like a military, like a fascist government yes, in America. Yeah. yeah. Like they, they are literal tools of a like military, Nick, like led by Nixon, yeah. <laughs> of a like dictatorship uh, that's in, in like a nuclear deterrence as well. But like, you know, yeah, even more than that, he deals with the essential, like the, the essential question of like, what is 
wrong with superheroes if yes. you like just take the logic like one step further and the idea is like yeah like superman uh you know saving an old lady from a mugger it's like who fucking cares in a world where like you know millions of people die of like starvation every day yeah. <laughs> you know what i'm saying like uh, like that essential like like absurdity of superheroes and he shows you like you know realistically the two characters in watchmen who realize that and what they decide to do about it is actually insane and monstrous as well. Yeah. Right. Um, what I was thinking is interesting, though, is uh, uh, um, that, you know, you're right that he, like, paints this world that is a sort of, like, hellish dictatorship. But also late in the book, they talk about how, like, the presence of superheroes and specifically of Dr. Manhattan changed things, but didn't change things, like, too much. Like, it is funny to look at it and it's like, yes, Nixon is in his third or fourth term, but it also mostly geopolitically, like, resembles the world that we really do live in. Yeah, yeah. or of the, yeah, of the 1980s. Of that time, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Leslie, uh, uh, you know, talked a little bit about, like, the bad uh, or the wrong, you know, influences that have been taken, like, through the rest of pop culture. And I think that your point about why there hasn't been a good take on what if superheroes existed in real life since is because Alan Moore just actually doesn't like superheroes. And yes. I think that that's good. Like, he doesn't think the concept of superheroes is, like, good or healthy. And I think everyone who el everyone else who has attempted to do this, like, whether it's, like, Frank Miller trying to bring Batman into the real world or, you know, basically looking at any any of our sort of modern superhero movies, they all like superheroes a lot. And it just way is, too much. like, they like them way too much. <laughs> like, at the I core, mean, it's like, they're yeah. bad. They're cops. They are cops. Yeah. They're cops. They work and, for the know, fucking and, government. And like, like, you know, I mean, yeah, sure. Like, uh, maybe they'll protect you from some of like the, the bad criminals or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I suppose you could say that the, the cops sometimes do that as well. Right, four yeah. hours late and then, you know, talk down to you and say there's nothing sure. we can do. But um, <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. And I, I think this gets to like the essential, you know, sort of pro like Watchmen, like the way it's been interpreted and, and yeah. the way things down. It's like I think Alan Moore flatly stated, like, you know, you shouldn't believe in a superhero. Like the concept, like like, and that's what he's essentially doing with this is that he really kills the concept of a superhero in Watchmen, like yeah. as something that yes. um, should be admired or or emulated or, or like that you should put your trust in, like as yeah. a, a, a normal person, you know. And and we're living in a moment now in which you know superheroes are like the really the the you know coin of the realm in terms of our popular culture, yeah. and not only that, but like our political culture and this idea that you know, uh, whether it's, you know, Captain Marvel or Black Panther, like sure. uh, the thing where it was like, you know, we need to like, every girl needs to see Captain Marvel because girls need to know right. that they can be superheroes too. And it's like, well, Which, no, by the way, like you shouldn't want to, well, there's no, A, there's no real world analog to being a superhero. Well, so how do you actually, be a superhero in Actually, real life? Will, actually, Will, I, I read an article in Task and Purpose magazine <laughs> uh, just yesterday about how the real star of Captain Marvel is the Air Force. Uh, <laughs> and there was a whole, there's a whole, like, I'm not joking, there's like an EPK cut by Disney about, like, how they worked with the Air Force and she got to go on ride-alongs and how, like, the, she says, Brie Larson says, like, you know, uh, what I liked about Captain Marvel is she could get anything done and she had a good sense of humor. And that's what I found out is like what it means to be in the Air Force. Um, so like this the, Air, the Air Force must have paid so much money for that because like we're at a time like actually like strategically and militarily that we really don't need an Air Force. <laughs> yeah. Well, well you know, like the, the Navy Force. has we'll planes and like enough. it's all just drones now anyway. Right. Like all this fighter pilot shit is like 
was passe even when Top Gun came out in well, terms they, of like they, our actual. They, the, the no, actual, but literally, the, they don't need fighter pilots yeah. anymore. The, the literal, the the actual real truth is like the Air Force doesn't like pay directly for these things. They just give them like access to like they're like we'll let you use a plane and do whatever right, you right, want, right. and then, like that's like a huge that's like a huge value add or whatever. Mm-hmm. But so when you talk when we talk about the GoFundMe to send little girls to go see Captain Marvel, I'm like we're like donating to have little girls see that they should join the Air Force. Yeah. We're I, like trying to teach little girls that they can be in the Air Force someday. Yes. I mean, yeah. I, but just further than that, I think, you know, what Moore says and, and, and the real meaning and import of the book is that uh, nobody should want to be a superhero right. or, or like, you know, countenance their existence in the first place. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, like to the, the whole Rorschach thing, like Rorschach is the most identifiable character from Watchmen. You know, he's like when you first read it, like he's the coolest character. If well, being honest. And, and Will, I, I, let's, you know, say it outright. Like he is the moral center of <laughs> sure. Watchmen. Yes, absolutely. According yeah. to certain yeah. people that, who are professional comics writers um, who uh, who say this online that actually well, he's the moral okay, center. To say, to say that, that, that Rorschach is the moral center of Watchmen is the nerd version of all the people who watched The Sopranos and were like, yo, Tony's a boss. <laughs> or thought like, you know, Tony Soprano is literally the hero of that show and right. not like maybe one of the worst villains ever portrayed <laughs> in, in, in any fictional medium. Rorschach is a really cool character. He has all the best lines, all the stuff about the blood and the, and the street scabbing over and all that shit. But also every time he speaks, he is insulting a marginalized person. He is talking about how all women are whores, uh, yeah. like how uh, gay people should be in jail, like how black people are scum, how immigrants, he's anti-immigrant too. He complains, he complains about women being whores but then he complains about how the sex workers on the street are aren't white he does like yeah no right. he's uh uh no one yeah i, I was offered uh, he's like swedish love french love no one offered <laughs> yeah. american love no coke, american coke bottle in class <laughs> he hates his landlord not because she's a landlord but because yeah. she's got five kids from five different husbands and probably cheats welfare, on welfare. Right. at one point he says he's going to investigate ozymandias for possibly being a homosexual <laughs> and the funny thing is in the, in the snyder movie uh you know jackie earl haley i thought it was a great performance i thought he got Rorschach like the character and the voice really well however in the screenplay they edit out like all of his explicitly political manias and paranoias right. about how much he hate loathes liberals and you know as you yeah. said uh, you know gay people or minorities of any kind yeah and how much he admires a uh, comedian yes and 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 literally views his like rapes of women as yeah. you know like a Brett Kavanaugh style youthful indiscretion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys. He literally says shit like, "Well, he served his country." He, like, yeah, right. exactly. The Watchmen characters are all based on characters from the Charlton uh, uh, comic book universe. Originally, Watchmen, I guess, was going to be DC had bought these Charlton characters and they were going to let Alan Moore do whatever he wanted with them, end a comic book universe. But then they got Cold Feet, and so they were like remake it as all uh, uh, new characters one of many times they screwed the greatest writer of all comics in history yes uh uh, they've done that a number of times actually where they're like but uh uh, the but rorschach is based on the question who like uh uh, was created by steve ditko who was an objectivist yeah he's a literal randian uh lunatic yeah yeah so this is more like sort of like taking that to its natural end the funny thing about ditko is that like unlike more when it hit when he was totally screwed over by dc or whatever he was like this is just and rational (laughs) (laughs) he was like i signed i I signed the contract yeah 
Like I deserve my fate as a worm. And uh, just like, despite the fact that the, the book is essentially like an anti-superhero message mm-hmm. and that M. Moore himself doesn't like superheroes or the concept of them, and quite justly, I think it's worth noting that the, the, the comic itself, both in Moore's writing and then also Dave Gibbons' amazing artwork, yeah. like the superheroes, like they, they do superheroes really well. Oh, like yeah. all the cool, like the, the costumes and sort of like all the details and touches and kind of, you know, like all the superhero stuff that, that you like, like their layer, their gadgets, their sort of MO, their powers is done like exquisitely well. I yes, love it, the leather daddy comedian. Yeah, like yeah. The yeah. Riots. That's so good. God, and that is so, I mean, again, to get back to that people talk about, like, Rorschach being the moral center, I'm like, the book is so explicit about its politics, I feel like. You know what I mean? It's like, they, they show, like, uh, they show him in, like, a, a, a fetish mask, like, gunning people down in the streets. Like, I, it, it, it's, it's just baffling to me. You know, it, in the in the sequels to these things, like in the and what's happening in Doomsday Clock, and I wonder if they'll also do this in the uh, in the HBO Watchmen. They all c- come with this assumption that right after the end of Watchmen, they like read Rorschach's journal and published it, and everything got found out, which is not like my takeaway from the end of uh, Watchmen. Uh, uh, I don't know. Like uh, the comic writers who seem to be like resentful of Alan Moore have this idea that they're like that's not even like that good of a plan, and it wouldn't save the world. Yeah, the problem is that we kept writing superhero comics after Watchmen. That was, <laughs> yeah. should have been the last one. It should have been the last one. He showed them all up, and they all should have like resigned in shame and stopped doing them. Uh, he really did. And 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 funny, you know, be, again back to back to Rorschach, who is, I guess, if not the moral center of the book, certainly the center of it in a lot of other ways. Sure. Um, I I mean I can't help. But I think like. Did this did Watchmen come out before or after Dark Knight Returns? I think they maybe came out like no, like, in was, Mil- was Miller doing Daredevil at, at, at that point? There's something about the way he writes uh, Rorschach that it's like it almost anticipates like the parody of like everyone trying to copy it, and it's like it reads like a parody of Frank Miller, <laughs> you know, like because like Frank Miller's whole thing is like the you know the urban like you know Daredevil or Dark Knight Returns, like yeah, you know, like he really does like Rorschach is a, is a paranoid psychopath. And he views the city like, you know, I've seen the city's true face. It's like a dog yeah. bleeding on the fucking pavement, <laughs> yeah. full of sex and foam and foam. Their sex and cum is going to choke them all. Yeah. And like Frank Miller, like like he really thinks of like cities that way. And like superheroes are like, you know, like Travis Bickle characters. But like he thinks that's good, you know? Yeah. And uh, like, the, yeah, like that that whole dialogue and the way Rorschach writes yeah. in his diary and the way he talks is like... Anticipate like all the people who precede. copied it. So Frank Miller's Daredevil did precede Watchmen, and okay. even Dark Knight Returns started coming out before Watchmen. But I basically don't concurrent. think it. Yeah, like it was kind of concurrent. I don't think that he would have been able to be influenced by it in right. writing Watchmen, and maybe the later ones anyway. But yeah, I kind of do agree that like it, in some ways, whether it's he's parodying Miller or like Ditko, like it does feel like he is like making fun uh, uh, a little of like the like I, I'm actually the core philosophy. I would make the argument that uh, um, you know uh, uh, Sally Jupiter, uh, who's what's a uh, uh, sorry, who is a uh, Laurie? Yeah, I think actually Laurie. Uh, uh, just Bazik, uh, uh, 
uh, is the moral center of the comic and actually seems like it kind of actually feels in a lot of ways like your viewpoint character. Like all these other people made the decision to dress up in these outfits and go fight crime. Like she was just sort of grandfathered into it and had to, you know, see all this stuff. And the only thing she ever says about anything is that like this is ridiculous. Warshak yeah. smell, smells. He's crazy. This outfit is stupid. Why am I doing this? John, you're weird. Go away. Like to her mom, even as a child, like she's like, this is dumb. This stuff is bad. Like she hates all this stuff, but she's like a second generation Scientologist. She's just in it, you know? Uh, Yeah, that that is so important. I actually, I on this reread, I noticed something that I didn't notice before about the ending. And I think that is part of the reason why a lot of people had trouble with the ending and why the movie changed certain aspects of it and added that extra little fight scene at the end is because when Ozymandias, you know, reveals that he's killed half of New York, um, you know, Rorschach does his Rorschach thing. I'm going to report it. Um, (laughs) uh, Dr. Manhattan does his Dr. Manhattan thing, which is, you know, just be blue and weird, but like they, (laughs) but, um, uh, Night Owl and uh, Silk Spectre like have an existential crisis. It's like, what the mm-hmm. fuck are we in? Why are we here? And like, the only thing they can figure out is like, well, at least we're still fucking alive. Like, they're completely paralyzed. The villain is standing there. He's revealed his evil plot, and they're completely right. paralyzed. They can right. they say explicitly like, we cannot process this. This is too much for one person to handle. And like, so they just like go like and stay in like his like apartment one of his apartments and have sex like they don't yeah. they don't know anything else they have no they, they're incapable of reacting or even processing what's happened <laughs> that is true like dan Drayberg, you kind of like end up getting the sense that like yeah he can like make a lot of gadgets and things like that but he's just like like a it's it's like a hobby for him he's like a hobbyist guy well uh we can we can, we can get to the end of who i think is the uh the real moral center of Watchmen. uh we'll wow. get there but um uh, just what I was struck by, I'm rereading it, and I, I, I'm only about like less than half of the way through it thus far, is I was struck by just how, like, yeah, it has the, the, the superhero thing is like the, that's the most immediate and apparent thing, and it's obviously all like a big commentary on the genre itself, but I was struck by just how, what a great, uh, like essentially a mystery story it is. Yes. Like, like, a, like it's a whodunit. And the way, like, he kind of, like, like layers everything on that and the way and the art and everything, like, is so oh, yeah. richly detailed. And, like, in every single panel, there's just, like, so much information and, and yeah. clues there yep. that, that, that he keeps coming back to. And the way him and Gibbons use the art, because, like, most of it is done in this kind of, like, nine-panel structure, like, mm-hmm. three, three, three. The grid, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that grid and the way he, like, they mirror things yeah. and, like, they move from one thing to the other and they mirror... Uh, they, they juxtapose like dialogue and images in these ironic ways and like everything mm-hmm. is kind of uh, reflecting back on itself and and like the, the composition and the writing itself, uh, the way they match that perfectly with like the mystery story is just is really, really compelling. And again, yeah. like I don't think anyone's really like topped it since then. Yeah, Moore doesn't cheat. Moore does not cheat in this story. There's no, like, it's all laid out. There are hints. There's clues everywhere. Like, it's just covered in clues. Um, And I was going to say about the nine-panel grid, it's so effective uh, uh, when they break from the nine-panel grid. Yeah, when you you get, like, a full panel, like, you're, like, really, like, oh, wow. Holy shit. Yeah, Yeah, or even, like, when it's just, like, 
double sized. You're yeah, like, wow, yeah. that's a moment. And I mean, you know, I you're rereading it, but when you get to that twelfth issue and it's just like five, six pages of like full pages of just, you know, uh uh like atrocity, hell, like, uh, you know, uh, death and destruction. Like, it's very impactful. I mean, these are things we've seen in comics before, but just like six, you know, full page spreads of like silent death. Uh, it works. It works really well. How about the uh, how about the Black Freighter stuff? What do you guys make yeah. of that um, going back into it? Because, I mean, I think like the book really it like it's sort of like it is it, 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 it the book really comes alive in like the third or fourth chapter when they really start doing the black freighter stuff like mm-hmm. when i remember first reading it that's when i was like something clicked in me like this there's more going on here than just the story right yeah it's you know? it's an interesting concept because it's literally like you're reading a comic book within a comic book like these are characters who read comic books like you and it brought for me it brought a level of realness to it but as far as what the black fairy story means and it actually is a really good like story it's a very good self-contained story too yeah and what i find interesting about it is that he's he like the, the character next to the newsstand who you're reading this comic through it's a comic, but it's not a superhero comic. It's like one of those, like, mm-hmm. you know, EC, like, yeah, like horror. Yeah, uh, right. Or like sort of one of those with a, a weird, ironic ending that you know is coming. Yeah, he, like he, the story you're reading. They comment on this. They say, because the new stand owner actually says, oh, yeah, superheroes are dead. I, rem- right. I remember, you know, Superman and Aquaman and all of them, but they're dead because real people started dressing up as. Right. As, Nobody wanted to buy the comics anymore. Like, it does work for me just in terms of like world building and adding to the richness of the universe. And, you know, Sub, like continuing to answer that question what if superheroes existed in the real world like we wouldn't be reading comics necessarily about them in the real world anymore but also the 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 black freighter story aside from being just like a sort of like a, a chilling story on its own like does serve really well as you know uh, uh, one of the sort of like clues that more is dropping black freighter uh, uh does work really well as foreshadowing and yeah like uh, uh and also it's just you know it, it adds to the richness of the world uh i do remember as a younger man when i was reading it being like what the hell like and why are they not in costumes yet why am i reading a pro- pirate comic now but uh i do think it's like it's what elevates it to you know it's one of the things that elevates it to like sort of a self-contained piece but some other back material that i found interesting was Hollis Mason's uh, Under the Hood. It's it's very much what like a cop who became a superhero would try to push out as like a book, right? Like it feels very like it would be real. But I, what the interesting thing about it is when you if you just read the comic, you'll get this sense that Hollis is just you know this great you know old guy who you know was a superhero one day and now he's a mechanic and he's just cool. But then when you kind of dive into it, you realize like. He's a cop at heart. He started doing this thing because he didn't want to do it within the bounds of the law. And that he's like has extremely conservative values that like. Right. And that is, you know, Alan Moore, of course, commentary, given his commentary on the values of superheroes, uh, which is something I've talked about. We've talked about a lot on the show. It's like when you take, you know, the superhero elements, which were basically made for like little white boys in the 40s like their first they're like you know driving principles are not good and not something that we should really spread as you know aspirational in 2019 one thing that uh i I was struck by again uh reading it last night is uh just how fucking good chapter four is the watchmaker one that's all from dr manhattan's perspective Where you really get like where where more really creates with the narration 
it gives you this vivid sense of experiencing time like a godlike figure would, mm-hmm. where there is no distinction between the future, past, and present, that all of these things are all happening at the same time, and they're all static, essentially, and that your perception of the present is just like, as Moore has described it to me, uh, like light being going through a film strip, and that each cell in that film strip are just like every moment of your life, and that it's only the illusion of it like of of light going through it that gives it motion and and animates it but essentially that like you know like the the photo that he drops on mars like uh like that's everything it's like it's when he says like the ferris wheel stops like each each moment in your life is like that you know the ferris wheel stopping but the thing is like it, it it's not really even moving to begin with it's just like you are like being alive is our like illusion of the ferris wheel in motion I think Rorschach feels very alive. He loves be, uh, he loves yeah. hurting people. I think he's the, yeah. I think he's kind of at the opposite. I, I think he's disassociated from anything of normal humanity. But as far he's the only one who's really sure of himself and what he believes and what he feels, which is another comment. Which is the odd, odd which again another odd comment from our uh, friend and colleague who said he, he's he's a he overcomes his nihilism. Yeah, exactly. It's like comedian, <laughs> comedian is the nihilist character, right? Yes, like that's right. quite explicit. Yeah, Rorschach is like the opposite of a nihilist. He has like a very specific ideology and moral right. code. It's just horrifying. Like it's just like yeah, yeah literally like a you know does a mugger deserves to be killed or whatever. Right. Yeah, it's, it's literally his mask is black and white, and that's a representative of the black and white morality of the superhero comic book worlds. And you know what? In a regular superhero world, that's fine, actually. Bad guys are bad and deserve to be punished. Good guys are good, and they shouldn't be subject to any you know pushback from the populace, the police, the unions, any commies, right, reds, right, right. sexual deviants, all the you know, scumbags. You know, and that's fine for those old comic books. But when you bring the superhero into this other right. world, this our world, then that becomes you know absolutely terrifying and horrifying. It, it's like what you say about uh, what you said about Law and Order, Leslie, which is like you can enjoy it because it takes place in a universe where cops are good. Yeah, this, this is a, this is a an alternate fantasy universe yeah, yeah, where exactly. that is the case. Like, uh, yeah, I no, was going to say I, about the uh, the chapter four, uh, um, you know, and the way that uh, uh, that Doctor Manhattan experiences time. I think that's also reflected in like why more. I mean, obviously, he chose to tell this as a comic book because it's about superheroes, and that's the only place where super, well, superheroes existed. But I think that also like the way that uh, Doctor Manhattan experiences time is also like how Moore has said in interviews, you know, that you're supposed to. Uh, read Watchmen is that you know in books you can like flip back and go look for clues and things like that and notice like moments back and forth uh, uh, you know throughout the book uh, um, you know I think like similarly to how uh, uh, you know Dr. Manhattan uh, experiences time and, yeah and there's a, there's another moment I think it's one of the the full panel like the full page uh, drawings in the later chapters where you get to see um, Ozzy and his, you know, Antarctic, uh, mm-hmm. you know, sort of ice base or whatever. And he's uh, sitting of in solitude. front of, yeah, yeah, yeah he's sitting in front of, of uh, like this gigantic wall of TV monitors. Yeah. And like it's, the, it replicates the same effect uh, mm-hmm. as the nine panel uh, structure does where he's looking at all of these like seemingly disparate, smaller boxed images and is talking about how like this is his kind of method for 
anticipating, I guess, sort of moments in our collective unconscious, a la yeah. sort of the, the he references the William Burroughs yeah. um, uh, cut up technique of like through this like random switching of like sig signal and input and these like media images, like the real truth of what's going on reveals itself in kind of an abstract way. Right. In conjunction of what emerges out of this kind of mess. And I, I think that, and I, yeah, I think, I, I, I think the same thing is true. Like with, with, like we were talking about, like with the clues and the artwork, mm -hmm. and how each sort of panel mirrors and references other ones or things that have already happened or are yet to come. Yeah, right. So um, I actually want to talk about, you know, chapter four and kind of the book as a whole from a craft perspective. The two things, like first, the, the chapter four is like all captions, right? Like there's no, almost no dialogue. And I just want to say any expiring comic book writers, do not do this. You are not adding more. <laughs> People will not read your captions. Like I, I was just reading the Tana Hesey Coates Captain America. And it's like they use too many captions these days. Way, these comics. way too many captions. It's like prose. Like and 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 it's bad. It's bad writing. Alan Moore gets earns it and gets away with it because he's the greatest of all time. That's the other thing I wanted to say, kind of about this book. Like Watchmen is a comic book. It is not right. just a story that you could tell in any medium in any yeah. other way. It is a comic book as comic book. It uses like the nine panel grid, the art, the still shots. All of this stuff mm -hmm. is stuff you cannot replicate on like film. Or in it, yeah. or in the novel, and Moore has talked about this a lot. Like he doesn't un really understand these adaptations because they're trying to basically take maybe you know thirty percent of the experience, which is you know yeah. the actual plot and story and characters, and then cut that in half and then turn it into a movie. And it just doesn't work. You have to un to understand Watchmen. You have to read it as a comic book. <laughs> well, I mean, like if if you if you consider uh, Zack Snyder's film, which pretty much does capture the like all the details or like look of it, yes. exactly right, and even tries to do some of like with with film editing, kind of what they do with it, the panels. Mm -hmm. a, a little bit like I, I, I can tell he's like consciously trying he's trying of, his best with like, that like movie to, to, he's to, really like, trying so hard to like yeah replicate like Dave Givens panels like perfectly but again because it's Zack Snyder it's like almost a perfect ad film adaptation in a way because it looks exactly like the source material but manages to make the completely opposite point <laughs> of <Yeah>. what <laughs> essentially the meaning of the text is yeah he really accomplished a lot with the visuals and replicating it, but it doesn't mean anything. And I felt almost nothing watching it. Right. The best moment yeah. was, you know, the be there here's the two good moments for Watchmen. The trailer that used that Smashing Pumpkin song. The trailer was amazing. Yeah. It's what it's one of the best is one of the best trailers I've ever seen. The second part is that intro with like David Bowie opening credits. and Mick Jagger. The opening credits are really good. They're great, but after that, like, there's nothing. Like, you get you and the opening credits are basically a music video. So basically, he yeah. was able to make two good music videos out of Watchmen, and that's it. Uh, you I swear, how fucking I, good uh, the opening credits for Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead were. He's really good at I mean, that, that's, a, that's a, in my opinion, his only actually good movie is his Dawn of the Dead remake, which I think well, is fantastic. We don't need to get into Batman versus Superman on the air, but uh, you know, <laughs> well. we, we talked a little off air, but uh, we don't need to get into it. Let's keep things nice. <laughs> uh, uh, um, yeah, I mean, like, like 
the the Watchmen movie, like it, there's parts of it that appeal to me, but in the sense of like when I'm reading a book, you like look up deviant art drawings of what people drew the characters. Yeah. As. I'm like, <laughs> it's cool, kind of, because it's like the characters I like and they're in motion, but it doesn't really like mean anything. I would almost rather watch it in like one minute chunks, just here and there, uh, and not at the feel the overall. And by the way, also, like, I think that actually that is an element that Zack Snyder, like, just did shoot wrong, even in, even though he's, like, trying to uh, approximate what it looks like. He did it with, like, slow motion and everything like that, whereas in the comics, these, like, they're even different from, like, the fight scenes typically in comic books, because there's not really a lot of, like, motion. Well, there's also not, like, motion no. uh, lines, really. These are all, like, snapshots. Like, it's, like, everything is, like, still. There's no blurring or anything like that. And he cuts so, between like, two different scenes. In the- yes, he'll cut between two different scenes. And there is, like, in the sort of, like, stillness, like, the snapshot of it, it like, it's, like, there's almost, like, a stark brutality or something that is lost when it looks like action figures being tossed around in like the comedian's apartment or whatever. I'm just watching the intro again and man, it's really, really good. Like the Kennedy assassination shot. That's cool. It's so yeah. brutal. And then the shot of the comedians, like if he could have kept this up, that up for like the other three hours, like that's all he wanted to do was make that part though. And so he had to make a movie around that. Cause that was the only way to get the money. <laughs> I remember for a while, uh, Terry Gilliam was, uh, going to be associated with a Watchmen movie, but I think he decided like, I mean, obviously never went anywhere and maybe he decided yeah. he claimed that, you know, it's unfilmable or I can't do it, but it's yeah. probably like, there's no one that would have given him the money to do Terry Gilliam's version <laughs> of the Watchmen in the first place, but I would have right. liked to see him try that's for sure. I, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing everyone's different version of the Watchmen. But so why don't we talk about that then? Because we're going to get to see Damon Lindelof's oh, version very, very soon. Oh. We're going to get to see uh, the lost guy do his new uh, Watchmen Lost. So they've already gotten like the first part wrong. Like the whole point right. of Watchmen is that the superheroes had to retire because the cops went on strike because they didn't like mass heroes. What do you see in the HBO trailer? Oh, all the cops are superheroes now. They all wear like really <laughs> like and they're almost like and they're like lazy masks. They're like green man suits, but yellow. Like right. it's really <laughs> Ozymandias is old. He's not a young, handsome like guy. He's old. It's like I don't. Oh, does I Jeremy the, Irons play Ozzy Yes. yes in the, in the, okay. That, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually that's pretty cool. It, God damn it! I, I'm like I'm gonna have to watch it, and I you oh, know I'm gonna they, watch it. It's like I'm, there's gonna be I, I, I got a perverse see what it fascination. Is. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, again, I'm like it has this problem like that both of the what we are now. By the way, it's 2019, and there are two Watchmen sequels happening concurrently. There's one in uh. comics where the comedian didn't die, and he's like meeting Batman now. <laughs> And then there's the one on HBO, which is like the Lost Guys uh, uh, doing it. So, you know, Warner is really, uh, uh, I guess AT&T, I should say, is really squeezing that IP. And I don't know, both sequels take place in the after Watchmen, which is just like... I don't know. You are missing the point the, of the ending of the Watchmen. The point of Watchmen is that it has an ending. It's a superhero yeah. comic that ends. That was yes. unprecedented. That's the whole That's what the pitch was for that when he pitched it as, as about the Charlton characters. He's like, I want to do that. That's also, by the way, what his pitch was for uh, uh, Superman. You know, wh- uh, what is that? What was the end? Of, I forget uh, what it's called. But it's, it's, it's really good. Oh, uh, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. Yeah. Whatever happened to the man of and, tomorrow. That's like and the, also he, he, did, he was doing he, these pitches. Yeah, he did another one that was based the basis for Kingdom Come too that he never uh, got to write um, apparently right. Alan Moore was trying to get out of the superhero business he was trying 
to end all of them. <laughs> yeah, he, they were like, they were like, kept asking him for pitches, and he's like, I want to do the last one. He's like, I want to yeah, just yeah. like do the final chapter for every superhero comic, and you guys have to stop when after I end them all, you have to stop. Uh, and they just didn't take the advice; they didn't do it. I was. I want to. Like, I want to talk about the. Uh, let's talk about the end of of Watchmen because, sure. like, like the, that to me is like sort of getting to like the more interesting things about the question of like, oh, like what if superheroes existed in our world? So you know, spoiler alert, everybody. The 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 cool thing about Watchmen is that you know it basically and it, it tells you who the the I'm using the scare quotes here. The villain is almost right away. Like if you you know it doesn't tell you that, but then you realize. The villain of it has been right in front of you the entire time. Yes, yes. And the villain, again, in the traditional comic, you know, book style, is Ozymandias, the world's yeah. smartest and richest man. But the thing about his whole villainous plot that he has orchestrated, like all the events of the book, he killed the comedian, he chucked his ass out of a fucking out of his his apartment building. Yeah. Which, let's be honest, somebody should have done a long yes. fucking time ago. The comedian <laughs> is a, a war criminal, fascist rapist, right. and like he should have hit that pavement long ago. So, check one for Adrian Viet uh, <laughs> killing that asshole, the comedian. But check two: the comedian is the guy who gives him the idea to do this massive, mind-boggling conspiracy to literally stage a false flag alien attack in the middle of Manhattan as literally the only event that could break uh, the American government and, and the Soviet, break us out of this like militaristic Cold War stance that would literally lead to the death of everyone on Earth versus the death of like half of Manhattan, right? Mm -hmm. So comedian, like when they have that that meeting that they keep circling back to in the book of, uh, you know, we're going to be the crime busters now. Yeah. And comedian is the one who like laughs at them, rightly so. And it's like, this is bullshit. You guys have no idea what you're doing. Who gives a shit? If, oh, Moloch's back in town. Like, who cares? <laughs> I work for the government. I know what's really going on. Like, who gives a shit? They're going to be shooting nukes at each other in 30 years. Fuck this. Like, the, if you think like you're solving the problems of the world, only someone as dumb as you could think, they're small enough for you to put on a costume and, right. and get to team up together and solve. <laughs> That's what gives Ozymandias the idea to retire himself, go into the private sector, and do everything as this like decades-long conspiracy to pull off this one singular event, which does work. Yes. yes. And that gets to my point that it is actually Ozymandias who is the true moral center of the book because oh, he is the only one that really looks in the eye. What are the real problems of the world? Are they supervillains or are they our own insane fascist militaristic governments right. that are pushing us into like war and developing nuclear weapons and, you know, just generally crushing humanity and our like, you know, our will to survive basically like, that you cannot solve these problems in the framework of these governments. Right. So like, like he's the one who realizes that if you really are a superhero, like if you are a Superman, you want to solve the problems of the world, you're going to eventually have to um, do away with the governments of the world, including <laughs> the American fucking state. Right. Yeah. What he realizes is that like, like if you, if you really want to solve like, like, as a superhero, solve the super problems of the world and the human mm -hmm. condition and the nature of human civilization as this, like, you know, brutal contest for resources being carried out by, you know, uh, barely rational uh, mm -hmm. assholes in power. Uh, 
like the earth is this kind of like humanity is this closed loop. And the yeah. only way to break out of it is to create, or in this case, you know, counterfeit something outside of that, of the, like outside of human experience and like human civilization, which is this bizarre alien octopus. But he actually does yeah. say, uh, looking in the details, he says, like, we programmed this to set off, like, a psychic bomb that yeah. people who are sensitive to those sorts of things will be driven, either have terrible nightmares or just be driven completely insane uh, when it happens. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Ozymandias is obviously, like, you know, a stereotypical villain in a lot of ways. He's got, like, his secret lair. He's yep. cat. totally ruthless. A he has cat. no problem. <laughs> He's got a giant cat. Yeah. He's totally ruthless, but like again, in the grand scheme of things, he's you know a more moral character than right. fucking the comedian is or Doctor Manhattan, who's right. just basically checked out of like you know human beings just in general. Well, like Ozzy Ozymandias has more like actual concern for the future. He realizes that comedian the comedian and the people he represents are fascists. They are barely not even Nazis. Like yeah. Yeah. no, he calls uh, the comedian a Nazi. Yeah, he's, he's like he's he basically he a Nazi. A Nazi. Yeah. And then Rorschach's yeah. like. If he's a Nazi, he this country. Nazi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, and it's like, yes, yes, that's also true. Uh, uh. And you know, and as far as like uh, Silk Spectre or Night Owl goes, it's like they're not bad people; they're not immoral, but they're just not up to the task because yeah. they, you know they they view things in a superhero morality. Like I'm dressing up in a cape, I'm gonna yeah. save you know the old lady getting mugged. Like I'm gonna you know we're gonna fight the street gangs. You one know we're gonna one. make the streets safe one by one. But like I see. You know, yeah, yeah, but he reveals the the fraudulence of that kind of, of. Well, this is it's also there's a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, obviously, there's a ton of like Alexandria and Alexander the Great, uh, yeah. uh, you know, imagery surrounding um, uh, Ozymandias. And if you and throughout the book, and it's the name of the lock company and everything. There's all these references to the Gordian knot, uh, and so that you know, obviously the uh, the solution you know that uh, Alexander the Great had was cutting the Gordian knot in half. And so you know, this is. Ozymandias's take on the Gordian knot. You gotta cut it, just like cut it in half. Yeah, fuck all the bullshit. <laughs> Which I guess he did with Manhattan. I remember when I first read uh, Watchmen, uh, I was struck that like in, in Rorschach and Night Owl, I think like more kind of splits Batman into two characters. Like if you put Night Owl and Rorschach together, yeah. you would have Batman. You know, yeah, like, which Night actually is like coming from the Charlton comics, like Bob, probably both of those characters are just rip different version ripoffs of Batman. Like the question is a more objectivist ripoff of Batman. And I guess like uh, Blue Beetle, I guess, is like, yeah, he's just like the entrepreneur st type of uh, Bruce Wayne guy. And, you know, like and, and this yeah. goes back to like the, the you know, oh, what if superheroes really existed? And like the, yeah. the classic thing about Batman, it's like. He's a billionaire. He has like unlimited resources, which he uses yeah. to create like you know the the all the bat vehicles and bat yeah. gadgets, bat shaped and, you know, boomerangs and to like fighting, throw in the know, face of uh, poor people. You know, yeah, Mad Hatter, and you know like, <laughs> he's, he's, he's cleaning up the streets of all these goofy villains and like you know right. the crime in Gotham City, and it's just like you know. Uh, you do a lot, you know. Sorry, Bruce Bat. You do a lot better for the world if you just fucking paid taxes. Yeah. Or like, had, had Wayne Enterprises just be like nationalized or whatever. You, you know they do. Uh, Hollis says this in the book. It's like 
you know, there were never as many like super villains as there were superheroes. And like everybody just kind of got bored, like beating up yeah. just like regular criminals. Like it when Morlock, when Moloch retired and stuff like they all just got it wasn't any more, more fun to them because ultimately it wasn't necessarily about making the world a better place. It was about having these uh, fun adventures and getting your rocks off. Yeah, like when he goes to the comedian's funeral and brings him flowers, like that's just such such a sweet thing. Yeah. It's so sweet and tender. Like he's just yeah. like, I, I miss the guy, you know. He, he's like, we knew each other for a very long time. Like, I also think it's interesting that it like in in portrayals of Batman, they always make it like in across almost every medium that Batman has been portrayed in. They always go to like great lengths to, to show how uh, philanthropic Bruce Wayne is in his like day to day life. Like there's all these Wayne, you know, charities and, you know, soup kitchens or boys whatever. homes. Like, you know, th- this is the you know, this is the fraud of like, you know, philanthropic capitalism. Right. Like yeah, yeah. it's just like you're, uh, Bruce you're... Wayne provides soup to the people that he later that night, like caves <laughs> in their face in a with a boot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Uh, yeah, the very same person who later is like buying drugs, and he like like descends from a rooftop to like kick their teeth in. Uh, yeah, and 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 you know this is this gets to the heart of it, like you know like the introducing politics to the world of uh, superheroes is that like you know right. obviously if they really did exist, the people drawn to it would probably be pretty right wing in their political beliefs. And let's say you were a superhero who decided, hey, I think the uh, real evil in the world is like the, you know, uh, capitalism and the uh, vastly unequal distribution of the world's resources. And I'm going to do something about that. That's a villain. Guess what? You'd be a fucking yeah. villain. <laughs> You'd be a super villain. villain. Like, yeah, I recognize characters like that. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're villains, actually. They try to do it all the time now. They try to bring like real world politics into comics all of all the time. And like, obviously, the comics gate guys will get all mad about that. I am simply mad about it because they do it ineptly and terribly. Yeah. It's yeah, like, I know. I'm, it's I'm like super. The politics all suck. Yeah. It's all it's stupid. Like, it's it's like, all a, baby like a cop shit. kills a, a black kid, and Superman shows up to be like, "We like need to have all have respect for each other." Like <laughs> even when ang- when we're getting angry, or like literally like after nine eleven, like Doctor Doom showing up and crying, crying about. Uh, oh God, that's so happening. good. <laughs> oh, that was so good. I, yeah, God, the best. I was, yeah, I was looking at that recently. I forget why, but yeah, all like when after nine eleven happened, it was yeah. like Doctor Doom and Kingpin are like, <laughs> are like, you know crying. what, like. Like, you know, we're bad, but this... We're not Arabs. We're, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> killing all these innocent people like this. Like, did, hasn't, like, Dr. Yeah. Doom literally, like, held the planet hostage? I yeah, think, I think Magneto, times. like, was at around that same time, like, leveling all of Manhattan. Like, he's done, they've done 9-11's times 9-11. Well, it's funny, uh, in, in the Todd McFarlane run on Spider-Man, fucking uh, Juggernaut literally does 9-11 to the fucking of Twin course. Towers. <laughs> of course, he, of course. He, he levels at least one of the Twin Towers in the Todd McFarlane uh, <laughs> Spider-Man. So they've seen it happen already. Yeah. Doctor Doom, it was only that there were two is the problem. This time is that it was yeah. uh, both of them. Well, it's kind of to, you know, tie this all together and bring it home. Like, the problem with, you know, why we're never going to get a superhero story like Watchmen that takes these issues seriously is because all of these superheroes basically are owned by massive corporations who require that if you actually had an anti-capitalist superhero, you actually be the villain. And that, you know, ties very much to Watchmen because the reason why Watchmen has stayed in print so long is that so Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons can never own it. Yeah. They have a deal where they get the rights back if it's out of print. And so, of course, they'll never not print it ever again. Oh, yeah, that sucks. Wow. Yeah. I think Dave Gibbons got money for the movie. I know his he name did. was in, in the movie. I assume he got 
and that's some all good. Kind of money I'm sure for he that. got some kind of money for that. I think I, I think also Alan Moore like like says to give the money to the artists if there's ever any money. Yeah, for I mean him, I know Alan Moore like didn't have his name on the movie, and I think explicitly for him. like turned down any opportunity to have make money yeah, off the movie because he, he just didn't yeah. want to be associated with it. Which well, I think he had is already awesome. gone through League of Extraordinary. Yeah. Gentlemen oh yeah. Yeah. At that point. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. And and I think from hell also. I mean, yeah. so at that point it's I, like you know what? I gotta say even though the Hughes brothers from hell is totally totally different than the book, I actually think it's a pretty good movie. I haven't seen it like. In a very long time, so I had to give it's, it a rewatch. It's, it's, it's not bad. It's completely different than the book, though. That's okay. It, it, but like, it, like it's 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 not like a straight up adaptation at all. It just kind of takes like the same general yeah. story. But actually, I thought it was not bad. I'll say that League of Extraordinary German is actually good, even though. Oh, okay. even though wow. it made <laughs> like a, wow, the real final. <laughs> it's a good. It's good, folks. Go back and watch it with. <laughs> You know, fresh eyes. Know. Compare it to all the oh, books. Man. Like it's like a, it's like a, you know, Blade, Spawn, The Crow, all that. That's that stuff. Okay. Good. It's okay. in the same line. It's in the same underworld. Okay. Do do not cosign. <laughs> do not do not endorse this position. Well, all right. Uh, so I think we've you know covered almost everything about Watchmen. Um, yeah. So final thoughts. Uh, you guys think it's any good? I think Watchmen is great. It's worth it's worth reading even now. If you are listening to this podcast because you've watched Damon Lindelof's new show <laughs> and you want to know whether or not you should read the Watchmen comic book, I say go ahead and do it and stop watching the Lindelof show too. I actually wanted to say uh, that you know people. I read the sport, the ending of Watchmen before I read Watchmen because of fucking Wizard. Wizard would spoil Watchmen like every other issue. <laughs> Uh, the ending of it. They would always tell all these spoilers about Watchmen. This is before like you could get like just order Watchmen off Amazon and get it in two days or anything like that. Like you actually have to kind of search for it. But like if you've read the spoilers, still if we spoiled it on this episode, it's still great. It's probably the best superhero comic there is. Oh, it is. It is. It's it's like yeah, it's the best. It's it's probably the best. It's like one of the best books, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah. Watchmen is an incredible uh, work of art of of writing and and comics art, and you know, yeah. Like I, I, I think if you read it, like you know, for all the 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 bullshit now about you know dark and gritty superheroes, obviously more gives you that. But I think like it, you'll you'll be surprised to read it just how kind of. Um, you know uh what kind of really a humanist vision that that he really yes. uh portrays in it um is is surprising and i would also uh as long as we're giving out recommendations uh go back and watch the hbo animated series of spawn <laughs> but only only the beginning clips of todd mcfarlane introducing each episode because <laughs> they are possibly some of the funniest shit ever <laughs> ever put to film i remember i remember uh that was a uh, very moodily lit if i remember yes, yes. okay <laughs> yeah oh but the watchman motion motion comment is actually very good they just moved the characters from the comic it's really weird but really good if you want to watch a watchman movie that's 12 hours long watch that all right well uh thanks for listening everybody will thanks for, do for for doing the show good talking to you cheers always a pleasure all right peace all right goodbye everyone
like what you hear, want to hear more, check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or strugglesession.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.